Hi, I'm Jackie with Jackie Always Unplugged. And this summer, I went back to counseling. And I want to tell you about a couple things I learned because I actually think you will benefit from it. And by the way, I paid for it, but it's a freebie for you. Welcome to the Jackie Always Unplugged podcast, where we're having off-the-record conversations. I'm Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese, founder and president of The Marcello Project. As a pastor, preacher, and thought leader, I've walked with women of faith for decades and had thousands of conversations about what women encounter solely because they are women. At work, family, their faith, with relationships, sex, the church, their bodies, and Jesus. On this podcast, we're going to be asking hard questions, dealing with real issues, and revisiting scripture with a new lens. These conversations are going to put words to your female experience. They're going to ennoble you as Jesus intended and encourage you to bring your full self to the table. It's here we're going to reshape our view. Welcome back. Well, like I said, this summer... I went back into counseling. See, my body is going through menopause, and I need some help navigating what to do when I feel this estrogen angry thing happen. And I also needed some help trying to figure out how to deconstruct some of my conservative evangelical beliefs that I inherited. How do you deconstruct your faith while you're running a ministry? So I I needed some help in that. One of my friends says to me, Jackie, you're not deconstructing. You're just learning to change on the job. I like the way he says that. This this handling of my faith while preaching to yours is very serious business to me. I, I am very aware of the power the person holds who holds the Bible and then declares, thus says the Lord. And so it's really serious business, and I don't want to mess you up while I'm trying to figure out my own stuff. So, yeah back to counseling. I used to have a great counselor, but we started going to the same church and he called me one day and he said, hey, Jackie, like we can't be friends and me be your counselor. You're going to have to choose which one, friend or counselor. And I was like, dude, do you realize I can get friends anytime, anywhere? Do you know how hard it is to find a really good counselor? Yeah, we became friends. Alas, why I needed to find a new counselor this summer. So I went on a hunt. I needed someone who could understand the, the, the unique dynamics of being a pastor. There's something unique to our profession, and I needed somebody to understand that. And I need someone who wouldn't talk Christianese to me. You know what I mean. And I didn't want her to give me any patent answers. I know my stuff, and I needed someone who knew theirs. It took months, but I finally found her. She's a woman in Chicago. And it turns out, At one point in her career, she too had been a minister. I love it when Jesus does that kind of stuff. And we talked, and she said two things that were profoundly helpful. And again, as I said, I paid for them, but I'm going to give them to you for free. This is a freebie. The first thing we talked about was how I shared my body was going through changes and how I'd have these days when I just felt rage all day long. Um, from, from ordinary kind of things, little things that happened all day long. And by five o'clock, I'd be so exhausted from trying to control it. It was just, I needed help figuring out what to do with that. In the middle of this, the person I found most mad at was my husband. Things that he did that I used to let roll off my shoulders or to be honest with you, even found funny. I didn't find him so funny anymore. 
And I know the pandemic has heightened all of that, but I knew that that wasn't solely to blame. Like this wasn't the only reason I was feeling this rage. And so I shared all of this with her. And she asked, why did I feel the need to control my anger as if there was something wrong with anger? Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't think she was saying, hey, feel free to break shit and scream profanities at your husband. I don't think that's what she was saying to me. And I'm not giving you a pass for that kind of behavior either. What she was asking was for me to consider why God had provided this energy. Yeah, that's what she called it, energy. Why God had provided this kind of energy at this season in my life, this menopausal season. It turns out it's an energy God provides for a whole lot of women during this season of their life. Anger. She said anger lets us know that there's stuff underneath that isn't working for us anymore. It, it might have worked for us in the past, right? Patterns, behaviors might, might have, like we might have put up with it, might have even benefited from it. You know, whether that be within our marriage, our relationships with our siblings, our in-laws, our bosses, our partner. Now, you know, but it's not working anymore. Did then, not so much now. Something from before is supposed to be left behind, not carried into this new season that God is birthing in you. And when I reflected upon my relationships, I realized, wow, that's exactly right. And then my counselor said the most profound thing. She said, is it possible God is giving you this gift of energy to help midwife you into this new season? Just pause on that for a moment. Is it possible that God is giving you this gift of energy to midwife you into a new season. I got to tell you, that's a whole other way of viewing anger, isn't it? So what about you? What energy might God be providing? And yes, we might not like um, this energy. We might consider it bad. We might feel like we need to control it or suppress it. But what energy might God be providing so that... He can birth something new in or through you. It's a really great question for you to noodle on. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I'd love for you to chat with me about this. Seriously. You can go to the Facebook group, Jackie Always Unplugged, and we can talk there. I'd consider it a gift to me if you would do so. And while you're at it, would you be willing to subscribe to our podcast? That would also mean a really lot to me. It's a great question she asked, isn't it? Energy God's providing to midwife us into a new season. What is that? That's one. The second thing is she gave me an assignment. Again, I paid for it, freebie for you. I was to ponder these two questions. And they really are the two sides of a coin, right? So here's the two questions. Now, don't write them down if you're driving. I will actually post them on the Facebook page. Just just listen for right now and, and try to breathe in what's really being said. Here's the two questions. What did I have that I no longer have? And what did I long for that I don't have yet? Let me say it again. What did I have that I no longer have? And what did I long for that I don't have yet? 
Yeah, I spent a week noodling on those questions, right? Like just trying to figure out, well, Holy Spirit, what, what did I have that I don't have any longer? Will you show me, reveal to me? And I, and I started writing it down, journaling about it. In the no longer have list, there were things like a church community, a place where I belong. See, in my earlier years, really the first 20 years of my faith journey, I spent most of my life, my work and my social life was attached to my church. Church was life and life was church. And I no longer have that. And for those first 20 years, I embraced all the identity markers of conservative evangelicalism, which means I belonged to this particular group because I believed their particular sets of beliefs and identity markers. I approved of them. I fit in. I believed what they taught, and I taught what they believed. I believed that that what, what they believed was absolutely right. I had certainty. I no longer have that certainty. I know, but you know, as I went through the list of what I no longer have, I also noticed that I no longer had to restrain or reduce my voice. See, because when I changed my position on the role of women, I had to be quiet about it because it didn't align with my male elders nor the powers to be in evangelicalism. And what I no longer have is to be quiet. And so there I was noodling on this, writing in an unedited way, everything I was thinking, and suddenly it hit me, Oh my God, I'm in liminality. My body, my relationships, my vocation, it's all in liminality. I know you're very impressed by the word, right? My kids were shocked when I started using it. Big words aren't really my thing. I can't really spell and I don't speak really well. And yet I write and speak for a living. Jesus does things like that. Liminality. What is it? Glad you asked. Liminality is the in-between space when the old is no longer and the new is not clear yet. It's betwixt and between where we, by definition, are not in control. It's this foggy, confusing space. An example that might help you go, oh, that's what it looks like to live in a liminal space, is when you left home, like maybe went off to college When you were a kid, you lived with your parents totally underneath their rule, and then you went to college. And yet, even though you were no longer under their house and in their rules, you you weren't fully untethered from them either, right? So you lived between child and adult space. That's liminality. So funny, last week I was working on this content for this podcast, and Brene Brown happened to come out with her podcast called Day Two, Probably you heard it. If not, you know it's Brene. So just go check her out. And so this is what she basically said. She explained that day two is this messy middle day of a three-day intensive. Day two is not the beginning, not the satisfying end, but the grueling, confusing, messy middle. See, what she described was liminality. And here's the thing. I think that when several people start talking about the same thing, people who don't know each other, don't live in the same circles, when multiple voices start saying similar things, we might want to listen up because it might be Jesus wanting to talk to us. So there I am. I'm noodling and writing unedited. When the aha, I'm in liminality, and simultaneously it hit me, so are you. (laughs) So are you. 
See, the pandemic has thrown all of us into liminality. As a society, we're, we're there. The old way is no longer. The new way is not fully clear yet, is it? I mean, just take one example, our educational system. We've watched educators and administrators trying to figure this out. The old is gone, right? Do we do in-person? Do we do online? Do we do both or what? It has been a messy, confusing, unclear time. Why? Because it's no longer the old way, but we haven't arrived at the new one yet. It's happening. It's happening in so many of our societal structures and systems. It's happening in our jobs. I've talked to many of you who own small businesses. You know who you are. Does this explain what you're in, what you're experiencing? It's happening to all of us in society, in our jobs, in some of our relationships. And for some of you, like me, it's even happening in your body. Who would have ever guessed? Menopause is liminal space. I wanted to give us a word, a word that helps us define this season, describe what's happening to us. Giving this unknown experience a word can help us get our arms around it, at least a little bit. It's like we can go, oh, okay, this is what this is. Liminality. Liminality, by the way, is biblical. You knew I was going to say that right. It's biblical. We see it in scripture. I remember the very first time I heard of liminality. It was taught. At liminality taught as a biblical concept. Um, it was by Dr. Sue Russell. She was teaching a breakout session at this conference I attended um, called the Evangelical Theological Society, something that none of you want to attend. And she spoke about how the anthropological lens of liminality impacts how we read about relationships, particularly male and female relationships in the New Testament. Whew. Yeah, I know. Sounds like really smarty stuff, right? Well, that's because it is. And Sue is a smarty pants. She has three doctorates and two masters, and that's why I call her Dr. 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 Sue Russell. Years after I heard her speak at that conference, I asked her to teach at an event I had hosted for the Marcella Project. And during that event, we chatted, and she asked if I'd consider writing a book with her on sibling relationships in the scriptures. And I said, why, do you need somebody to dumb you down a bit? And she said, yes. Yes, I bet. Yes, I do. <laughs> so we wrote a book together called Relationshift. And there's a chapter in there on in the intersectionality of liminality and the role of men and women in the New Testament. And so if that interests you, go buy the book. Just Google Relationshift, R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-F-T. Anyways, Sue. She pointed out that, in fact, the early church was in liminality. Think about it. The first century church, right? No longer a group of just Jewish boys and girls roaming around Israel talking about Jesus. Now it's being mixed in with Gentiles who are coming to the faith from all over the place. Gentiles, by the way, are not Jews. So how is this all going to look? Do they keep practicing like they used to practice following the Torah, or is it supposed to look like something different? There was a lot of confusion. It wasn't clear. We see this when we read Acts 15. 
In Acts 15, this dude comes to where Paul and Barnabas are talking to Gentiles about Jesus, and he starts to say to these Gentiles, hey, you got to get circumcised in order to be saved because the law of Moses says so. And by the way, the law of Moses did say so. That's what the Torah said. And here's Paul speaking to these Gentiles. He's a Jew. But he had been out roaming around telling people about Jesus and watching God do something very different with these Gentiles. Like God had sent the Holy Spirit upon these Gentile men and women like he did with the apostles in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. You know, the day when the Holy Spirit came and there was this roaring of thunder and flapping flames all around them. Whenever I read that verse, I think that had to freak some people out. Would me. Okay, not the point. Paul had seen the Spirit do this kind of stuff to Gentiles and other kinds of miraculous things. And so Paul's like, hey, I think God's up to something new. So he heads to Jerusalem to talk to the other disciples, apostles about this. And the text says, after a long discussion, and I bet it was, because Paul can go on and on and on. James finally stands up and makes the ruling. And he says, for it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And bam, in that one sentence, circumcision not required for Gentiles. The old was no longer. But the new wasn't fully there yet. It wasn't totally clear. It was a little messy and foggy. And consider our eschatology. I know, another big word, probably my last one. How Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God on earth, right? He shows up, the kingdom starts. But it's not fully here yet, right? Not until Jesus returns will the kingdom of God be fully present on earth. So we live in this already not yet state. That, people, is called, yes, say it with me, liminality. And in that state, there's a bunch of messiness, a lack of clarity, confusion, fogginess. There's another way we see liminality in the scriptures, and that's for us as individuals. Because in the New Testament, we read that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells those who profess faith in Jesus Christ. And when we profess faith in Jesus Christ, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we become new creations. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so as individuals, we're new creatures, right? We're new creation. And yet, in Romans, Paul also said, We're struggling because we're in this battle, you know, with the Spirit having us live like new creation, and yet we also have this old sinful self still in us. And so there's this battle ensuing between the two. And you and I, we we know that that is truth, right? We live that every single day. As individuals, we live in liminality. We're experiencing at times as we try to live in the Spirit, as we also are still living in the sinful self, this messiness within ourselves. Yeah, see, that's liminality. And then finally, one more example, and there are more, but, you know, I'm boring you now. There are, we as a people, the body of Christ, are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live as a new community together, right? The scripture talks about, the New Testament in particular, the way in which we should live 
together as the body of Christ. It's a new way, a new society, if you will, that exists in a society that is presently already there, right? Like it's not like we're bringing in a whole new society. We plop into a society that already exists. And so we, as a body of Christ, a new people group, kingdom society, are living in, an, an exi- in, a, in a society that already exists around us, and it's messy, isn't it? <laughs> Just look around right now at the struggles that are going on. It's foggy. It's not always clear how to live like that in this already not quite yet state. That's liminality. There's so much more to this biblical idea of liminality. And back then when I was learning it, particularly from Sue, all of this heady stuff, it was wonderful feeding and fodder for my mind. But the next time I heard it, it moved from being intellectual to personal. It really mattered. And that time, when it was personal, I found myself in the middle of a crisis of faith. My husband was unexpectedly, and I will add unlovingly, fired. 14 years of pastoring a particular community of faith. And without warning, came home from Africa one weekend, went to a meeting, walked back in the house after the meeting, and was no longer the executive pastor of our church. And for those of you who don't know, I, too, was also on that same church staff, and so was my oldest son, Hunter. I told you, church was our life, and life was our church. And there were these people on staff that were like honorable kin to my children, honorable aunts and uncles. And so when Steve was out of the country, like I, and I had trouble with one of my sons, you all know which one by now, these aunts and uncles, they showed up. These were people we vacationed with. We did what I call biblical community with, and we did it really well, better than I'd seen done most any other place. And that's why it was so disorienting because what happened didn't model what we preached or what we lived as God's family, and I couldn't make sense of it. I mean, within weeks, 90% of our community disappeared like they had been swallowed in a sinkhole, and I found myself in a crisis where my life and beliefs collided, as Carolyn Custis James would say. And that's when when I ran into that word liminality again. And this time it came out of the mouth of a Catholic priest, Richard Rohr. His work was just what I needed to hear. Because Jesus does stuff like that, doesn't he? And he said, you know, few of us choose liminal space. Good to know, most of us didn't choose this pandemic. He said, instead, God usually has to engineer a journey for us. Someone we trusted fails us, a job we counted on suddenly ends, a child or spouse dies, we're struck blind on the road to Emmaus. And once we've arrived there, we are disinclined to call it home. Can I get an amen with that? We are disinclined to call it home. This is why spiritual directors and counselors are often sought in times of transition. That's, by the way, what Richard Rohr said. And that's, by the way, exactly what I've been doing. And so have many of you. I know because I call my counselor friends and they tell me they are busier than ever. We're all seeking spiritual directors and counselors right now. Why? Because we're in liminal space. Richard Rohr goes on to say, we need an outward support and encouragement to endure liminal space. On our own, we tend to run for security back to the familiar gardens of Egypt. So I just want to pause here for a moment and encourage you. 
Because I suspect, like me, you are disinclined to call this time period COVID home. And there's probably some urges or tendencies in you, like there is in me, for us to kind of want to go back, right, to something familiar, to the old. And I just want to challenge you. Don't do it. Don't go that direction. Instead, reach out. Reach out to your peeps. You know, the ones that you can lean on for support encouragement, those who will cheer you on. You need them during this time. I need them during this time. So reach out and keep nudging along. That's what this one guy said, and I love the way he said it. I'd like to give him credit. I don't know who the author is, but it's brilliant. It's not mine. Here it is. He says, when you're in liminal space, it's a lot like being in the middle of a lake when a big patch of fog drops. Within moments, you can't be sure which way is is which. To navigate through it, you move along with a series of small nudges in the direction you want to go, course correcting all along the way. You experience your way through it. You can't follow the signs or follow a set of prescribed steps because there aren't any. You have to nudge your way through. That's pretty good advice. You have to nudge your way through. Course correcting when needed. And isn't that exactly what we've been doing? And isn't it helpful to know that we've been doing exactly what we should be doing? Nudging. And I love this because it means no superwoman needed here. No, we don't need you to be a superwoman. Just nudging along in the direction you think you're supposed to go. And this guy goes on to say, this is why no one has been able to create a foolproof master plan to get us through the pandemic. It's too complex. It's too novel. It's everyone's first time with this particular event. He says, nudging your way through starts with asking questions like, what will be most important on the other side of all of this? Where do you want to be? And ah, we're back to the questioning thing. See, liminal space is a place for us to let go of the old answers and begin to ask new questions. It's the place we let go of the old answers and begin to ask new questions. And when I think back to that season when Steve was fired and it was foggy and uncertain, we felt unmoored and churchless. And we just didn't even know which direction, right? We were doing a little nudging, to be honest with you. I can look back now and see series of nudging. And we had to do course correction. And we did band together with our peeps. This is a shout out to you, Amy and Amy, Kelly, Krista, Ben, Greg. You supported. You Cheer, we're our cheerleaders. You helped us endure. Thank you. And we asked a lot of questions. I asked a lot of them about my faith, about the Bible, about church. What was biblical community after all? I had all kinds of questions. And I remember during that time, sitting with Carolyn Custis James, sharing what I was going through. And she said the most brilliant thing to me. She said, Jackie, you're in a lot of pain. And you're going to want to get away from the pain. There's that idea, right, of of wanting to go back to the gardens in Egypt. She said, but I want to encourage you to sit in the pain because the pain will make you ask questions you weren't asking before. And they are the very questions Jesus wants you to ask. So when we find ourselves in liminal space, we let go of the old answers and begin to ask new questions. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing during COVID. 
And I'd like to propose that perhaps those new questions we're asking are the very questions Jesus wants us to ask. Richard Rohr says, um, liminality is a spiritual place where all transformation happens. It's when we're betwixt and between and therefore by definition not in control. Nothing new happens as long as we are insider, as long as we are insider of our self-constructed comfort zones. Nothing good or creative emerges from business as usual. Much of the work of God in the Bible is to get people into liminal space and keep them there long enough so that they can learn something essential. That's what Richard Rohr said. He's really profound. By the way, you can read his stuff, but if you do, just know that you might have to read like just a paragraph at a time and then set it down and like like noodle on it for a week because it's really heavy. The point I want to make to what he's saying is that liminality is this tremendously creative space. Out of our fogginess, our um, messiness, you know what's going to happen? We're going to see new ideas come out of that innovations, inventions, discoveries, businesses, new art, potentially food, architecture, systems and structures. There'll be new laws and new policies. The point is a lot is birthed out of liminal space. And I'm starting to embrace this idea that perhaps God is birthing something in and through me too. That perhaps he's given me this gift menopausal energy. You might call it anger. I call it energy because my counselor said I could. God has gifted me with this energy that can bring about change, not only in my body, but if I harness it, perhaps it's exactly what I need to push me through to changes I'm seeking in my faith and my vocation and in my relationships. Because I don't know if you know this, it takes energy to leave behind something toxic, something pattern that might have worked before but isn't today, to say no to the things that aren't working. No, not taking you to the other side. I don't know what it's going to look like in these areas of my life, but if what Richard Rohr is saying and what we see in Scripture is true, I can tell you that on the other side, there will be goodness. So what about you? What's most important to you on the other side of all this? Where do you want to be? What energy has COVID created for you? Could be something you view view as negative like I did, but what if, what if God has provided it as a means to drive you through this to the other side? If you let him, perhaps he's birthing something new in you, through you or for you. What if, just what if? So on that note, I think I'm done. If you get a chance, go subscribe. Talk to me on Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. From one nudger to another, stay well. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then hop on over to themarcellaproject.com and sign up for our email or check out some of our other resources. You can also find me on the Marcella Project Facebook page or on every other platform of social media as Jackie Reese, R-O-E-S-E. Have a great day.